Wij blikken vooruit op de concerten van vrijdag 23 en zondag 25 maart met Malers achtste symfonie onder leiding van Yannick Nezet-Séguin. Een werk waarmee ons orkest een bijzondere band geeft die teruggaat tot de legendarische uitvoeringen met Edward Philipsen in Ahoy 1954. tafel vandaag Yannick Nezetsigan. Welcome Yannick. How do you feel following in this tradition? Mahler 8 is I think always an event and it should be. You know it's not the kind of symphony that you want to have programmed every other year in an orchestra because then um, the special character just maybe might get lost. But we have to separate the impressive nature of the music and actually the spectacle. And those are two very different things. And I think this is where there are some cliches ab about Mahler 8. But a cliche always comes from a, a truth. And the truth is it is an eventful piece. So when I think about centenary of the orchestra in Rotterdam, thinking about my 10 years and a sort of jubilee year and crowning achievement, uh, the two reasons which are very moving to me is, yes, uh, being part of putting my name on this kind of trophy of Mahler 8 in the lineage of the history of the orchestra, um, but also um, because it happens to be almost the last Mahler symphony that I conducted with this orchestra because only the seven is missing. So for me, it also feels like the final uh, stone of a wonderful building we did together with Mahler. Was the previous trajectory well, necessary to be able to tackle number eight? Yeah, I... Of course, we tend to put it as the crowning achievement just because of the size and obviously the, the costs for this. Um, but if we keep things artistic, yes, I do believe it's very good to have done many before going there. Because to have uh, for an orchestra, not only the conductor, but to have the reference uh, of excerpts from every other symphony that he did is also purely on a purely musical ground very helpful uh, otherwise you, one can get lost or maybe just um, uh, glide over some of the details which make it uh, so unique of course Mahler went harmonically much further later, you know, with the Ninth Symphony, with the Das Lied von der Erde, and obviously with the Tenth Symphony, which we in Rotterdam perform proudly for years now, uh, the completed Tenth. But the Eighth in 
Mahler's wish to embrace the world might be his own crowning achievement. What is the secret of the greatness? Mm. So, like any work of genius, uh, proportions are really important. And Veni Creator Spiritus, this first part, of course it was meant to be that impressive. And I think Mahler really meant it for it to be the, the most uh, riveting beginning ever. And it's, it's not violent, it's just imposing and um, actually very joyful too. This uh, um, short first part, which is a, I wouldn't say it's a crescendo because it starts already fortissimo, but it keeps growing and growing and growing. And it feels almost like after that, uh, exuberance of the final bars of the first half there is no there's nothing to be said and the only answer is actually to go in complete contrast with these very very soft tremolos of the the strings and a melody that's very very um, um, interrupted between pizzicatos of the lower strings and even the the text is interrupted in the male voices in the chorus. And from there, I feel that already between the end of the first part and the beginning of the second part, we have the full spectrum, not only of Mahler's compositional skills, but of, like he used to say, embracing the entire world where here we go, the entire universe is there. The biggest planets and then the reflection on how big is the universe? And the, this is the most unsettling question. It's also obviously on a text perspective, uh, very debated and somewhat, somewhat controversial attempt to join the Latin Roman Catholic text to uh, Goethe's Faust, uh, very non-divine or non-religious quest for life and try to merge or bridge them together which I find fascinating and I know for some people it makes them uncomfortable for many reasons or it might sound also even a bit dated and I don't agree I think we especially now in the 21st century we even more than before we have to reflect on what is religion and what is faith? But how does faith um, can live also with the faith of the other one, the next person next to you? And the acceptance of religions, or in some cases the non-acceptance of the other religion, makes us think what is spirituality and how in the end we search for all the same answers we have all the same questionings and whether it's science, philosophy, religion, it's different attempts to understand our world. And um, com composers all the way through times, like great uh, authors, uh, writers, uh, philosophers, always were with this question. And I think in Mahler 8th Symphony, if you f when you finish listening to this piece, you have... I believe maybe just a, 
at least a smaller understanding, more understanding of, better understanding of the world we live in. Of course, it's it's very different worlds that Mahler brings together than the Pentecostal hymn and, and Goethe's Faust. And as we know, Mahler, he, he had a very good thinking of, of relationships and, and he is always cross-referencing. So how does he bring those worlds together? How, how is this a unity indeed? Hmm. There is, like in any other Mahler work, there is before the unity, uh, before making the point, there is always maybe even more emphasis on the struggle. So the pain and the inner conflict that he had all his life about everything, about love, about family, about religion, even before this, um, and all these questionings, then it is reflected by most of the second part, which is fragmentary and broken up and with some extremely tense moments. And they are, I'm already talking about how it creates the struggle for the conductor because actually what we try to do with any piece of music is to emphasize the unity of something. But Mahler doesn't help us in this one because it can really indeed feel fragmentary. And to me, the key has to do with the key, <laughs> meaning the, the, the key, the tonality. So um, where the um, tenor soloist, by the end of the second part, to open the last portion, I would say, of the second part, gets back to this E-flat major key, and then the chorus is singing this melody. That is a late answer to the opening E-flat of the Veni Creator Spiritus. So it's actually where it bridges, and it's all that's in the middle that's more difficult to find the cross-referencing that you, you mentioned is in a way so subtle that to try and emphasize it too much doesn't really necessarily help. So I'm not saying I found the key and thank goodness I didn't find yet the key of the key for the key <laughs> of that piece. It, I think it's, it's a very unusual piece of music and Mahler lovers usually say Oh, I love Mahler. I have a bit of a problem with the eighth. And then maybe non-Mahler people will prefer the eighth because of this. So what? it doesn't matter, I, I, I want to say, in a way. Because if you come to this, uh, no matter how you come to this piece, with a lot of knowledge of Mahler's music in general or none, it will get give you something. Um, something which his is of course goosebumps just because of having all humanity brought together in this and the children's choir but you'll also get moments of really truly deep reflection that 
even if you let give get rid of the text it's a searching that's maybe the best description about music it's searching music and that's very unusual what what is searching music i can't even really define why but you feel like you are in a search and i believe that a concert nowadays should be always the the place for people to go and sit and have this kind of soul searching uh, that music can facilitate this enable that and allow people to take some time to search in their soul and what better music to do this than Mahler 8 <laughs> would there be one moment in the symphony that for you is the, the very essence well the moment I sang earlier you know mm -hmm. when the chorus is taking back the uh, it's because I don't have the words in my mouth but the yum papa it's the blick of yeah thank you so this moment is I get goosebumps thinking about it because when I conduct this one I just feel that maybe I want this to be what I feel in paradise <laughs> and um, this aspiration of of um, of a better world of a better life is of course the the quest that Mahler had all his life and not surprisingly I mean I think we all humans we do have it Yeah, to me, that's the essence of the piece. Alongside the contrast between the end of first part and the beginning of second. And being able to, to make it feel as part of the same world. Thank you, Yannick. Good. Onder leiding van Yannick Nezetsiga speelt het Rotterdams Philharmonisch Orkest Maders 8e Symfonie op vrijdag 23 en zondag 25 maart in de Grote Zaal van de Doelen. Meer informatie daarover vindt u op www.rpho.nl. Graag tot ziens bij het concert.